to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host as always, Erin Pym. And if you are a first-time listener, what I like to do here at the podcast is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have an in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality with me. But first, um, I have an order of business. Uh, I very recently started up a Patreon, finally, for the podcast. Yeah, three and a half years, and I decided to start a Patreon. Um, So (laughs) you can please check that out at patreon.com slash the bedpost show. Uh, basically, I'm offering a little 30 minute solo episodes of my uh, personal life as a polyamorous person and also my professional life as a pro dom. So if you like the sound of my voice and you want to hear uh, some secret sexy stuff that um, regular podcast listeners aren't necessarily privy to, then uh, throw me a couple bucks a month and you'll have access to all that fantastic premium content. But speaking of Patreon, uh, I have a fantastic guest who has a Patreon of her own. It is called Dreams Made Flesh, and I had the uh, pleasure to be a part of it this month writing for it. So without further ado, I would love to welcome to the mic Lady Dreams. Hello, everybody. Hello, lady. I am so excited to be here today. Yay! <laughs> I'm very excited. So much you. yay. All the yay. <laughs> Tell me, um, because the main reason we did want you on here today was to talk about your amazing Patreon. Why don't we start there? All right, let's start there. Yeah. So the Patreon is a little bit over a year old at this point, and I started it because I was really, really frustrated by the lack of female gaze and femdom content out there. Whether you're looking at pictures or reading stories um, or looking at videos, so much of it is just really made for male masturbation fodder. Yeah. And I was not seeing myself reflected in anything. I wasn't seeing anything real. I was... Because um, you were a dominant person. Oh, yes. I am a very dominant person. I just am a, a little bit. A little just bit. A little bit. Uh, maybe a little bossy. Um, I have been a lifestyle dom for close to three decades. So I'm... Uh, I'm old is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> and in all that time, like literally I would, uh, I would be so frustrated by the content. And, um, so I thought to myself, Hey, instead of complaining, do something about it, which sounds great, except I'm not really a writer and I can't draw and, um, I can't make videos. So I was like, all right, I have actually none of the skills to actually make any of this come to pass. So what do I do? Um, and then I thought to myself, well, what can I do? And, what I what I'm really good at, what I do for a living, is project management. And mm-hmm, I said, mm-hmm. all right, what if we just think of this as a project? Yeah. Uh, because what I can do is reach out to people who can write and people who can draw and people who can create videos and audiobooks and podcasts, and I can bring them all together. Yeah, uh, curate it all exactly. Yep. So hence the Dreams Made Flesh uh, Patreon project was born. And in the first year of its existence, we have created over 100 pieces of art, stories, essays, 
audiobooks and videos, Damn. Uh, which is incredible, Amazing. I think. Um, content that would not have existed um, otherwise. So All I'm, created by femmes? Um, all created by people, not necessarily all by femmes, but created by people for the female gaze. So I curate Amazing. everything. And part of, the, part of the really incredible part of this project has been working with artists, male artists, who would create mm-hmm. stuff, and I would send it back going, nope, male gaze. And they'd be like, but it's got a woman in it, and she's a dom. Mm, yeah. Not enough. No, she's a dom, and your focus goes straight to her ass and her boobs hanging out, and this uncomfortable corset and heels she's wearing, and the male sub in the picture is... A flesh show character. Is, no, he's just sort of like on the side. You don't care about him, because the focus is all on the sexualization of the female in the f- picture. I see, I see, I see. So the great part about this has been watching these artists shift over time. And the highlight of it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from Sardax mm-hmm. uh, with a picture he had just drawn, and it was completely female gaze, and it made me so wet and so hot and bothered, <laughs> and it was so melty good. And he said, I drew this for you. Well, not for you. I drew this because you taught me how to see this way. And if that doesn't make you orgasm in your pants, I don't know what does. I don't know what will. So, yeah. So that's the project. We have different artists, different writers contributing each month. And all the money that comes in gets goes out again in the forms of honorariums for everybody who contributed. So it's... Uh, I'm not making any money out of it. It's just, I'm just running the show. Spreading the good word. Spreading the good word. So if you guys would like to uh, know more about it, um, the first year of content is actually free. You can go in and browse and see what it is. And if you want to support us doing more of this, it would be great. So it's patreon.com slash dreamsmadeflesh. And I really hope to... uh, to get some of you out there taking a look at the very least. Mm, I think most definitely we will be. Um, Are you able to tell me a little bit more about, like, say if you're sending something back and you're saying, nah, uh uh-uh, not not quite, like, Mm -hmm. almost, but not, not, no cigar, honey. What are the kinds of things that need to be changed? Like, when we're thinking about something that goes from you're receiving something that's male gaze mm-hmm. and you're like no we need it to be more female gaze can you tell me some specifics that sure. like make so, that shift so i think the main thing and especially in terms of art yeah. is that women should be the subject of the piece not the object of the piece ah. there if you look at femdom content in general most of it comes from pornography yes and so most of it features the female as a sex object Mm-hmm. And it's very much what a man would want to see, what a man would find arousing. Whereas what I'm looking for is what I find arousing. So I want the focus to be, yes, I want the woman to be in the shot, perhaps, but I want her wearing comfortable clothes. Mm-hmm. I want her secure in her dominance. I want her to be a real person, not a two-dimensional caricature. Mm-hmm. And I want the focus to be on the male sub. I want... I want the focus to be on his expression, on his body, on him being the sexual object. And I think that's so important, not just for women, but for men to see as well, to see that we don't all have to conform to these roles that society has placed, that women have to be the sex object and men have to be the consumer of it. Yeah, so we're looking looking at like the stereotype that you think of, like the huge tits, the, you know, white, thin... Absolutely. Latex clad. Um, Waist so small she's going to snap in two. Yeah. Um, And then in terms of 
in terms of the writing, what you get a lot of in terms of tropes with male gaze is this woman as a as a caricature. So she's either the ice dom or she's she's uncaring or uh, and perhaps this is the one I hate the most. She's absolutely dominant and wonderful until she falls in love. And then she realizes, oh, I don't have to be that woman anymore. That hard exterior was just because I was so vulnerable on the inside. But now that I've found love, uh. I can let that all go. And I can and I can melt into his dominant embrace. And that makes me hurl books across the room and throw up in my mouth a little. So what I want to see in stories is women who are unapologetically dominant. Mm -hmm. and who continue to be dominant and continue to be real people even after a scene is over. So they're not just, look at me, I'm dressed in leather and stilettos and you've been a very naughty boy and I'm <laughs> going to hurt you. Uh, but they're afterwards say, yeah, I'm going to hurt you. Also, did you remember to put out the garbage? And who's picking up the kids? <laughs> and stuff, work that makes us realize that we are real people and... And that you don't have to choose between a life of BDSM and a life that contains family and kids and and marriage and you know, that it can all be incorporated into the same thing. That it's, it's not, not the virgin or the whore. Exactly. Yeah. You can be the virgin and the whore. And the whore, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. so that's a lot of what I like to see. I like to see women who are portrayed as real and who genuinely are pursuing things they want and they just happen to be dominant as fuck yes <laughs> while well, doing it <laughs> that's amazing um are there some stories coming up that you're kind of excited about or some artists that you're so, very excited about coming up yes. on the horizon yes so yeah. this month we just funny you should mention we oh. just meant hmm. we just just published an incredible story by uh, by the lady pym here <laughs> which you absolutely should read it is wonderful we have one uh coming up by ed cantor who uh who writes for us religiously. He's been there from the very beginning. I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Yes, I also follow yeah. him on Twitter. Uh, we have some great artwork coming up by Adam Coyle and by Sardax, yes. who you may have heard of, one mm -hmm. of the biggest names, I think, in femdom art. Yeah. And he's incredible. He is... Uh, he, he's been a great supporter from the, from the beginning. And his work is just... Well, it, it speaks for itself. So I would say go on and take a look. Yeah. And then we have Femdom Gum, who's a yes. younger, newer artist who's been gracing us with his artwork recently. Yeah, I've also been following him on Twitter, and he did a... He asked if he could draw something inspired by one of my Twitter posts, which I was so very pleased with. I was kind of wearing, like, this army bodysuit. Oh, I, nice. I had received, like, a inquiry to do this... Um, this scene actually never happened, unfortunately, but like this elaborate um, narrative about like the year is 2150 and like, you know, like males are confined to prisons oh, and sweet. It, they're in a breeding facility, some of them and the other ones are just like, so you're... You're just like these, this ass kicking like prison guard, essentially. I say we do it anyway. <laughs> I know. So, I'm sure we can rouse up a couple of volunteers. Surely. Surely there are some submissives out there who would want to volunteer for this. Does this sound appealing to you? <laughs> 
And um, yeah, so I think I I was putting an outfit together and kind of thinking about it and bouncing ideas off of the other dom that I was supposed to do. Hey, Mistress Ophira, follow her on her shit too. Oh, the notorious Miss O. Oh, notorious Miss O. <laughs> At the notorious <laughs> Miss yes. O. Um, and we're supposed to do a duo. So I was sending her a picture of the outfit. We're trying to, like, what should we wear? What, you know, what should the idea be? So I posted one of the things on Twitter and Fem- Femdom Gum did a little inspo piece, which I love. Which I should, after I air this episode, I'll repost because it's Absolutely. so great. Absolutely, because he does take commissions. Yes. As does Adam, as does Sardak. So I'm, I'm always about, like, you know, yes, Send you like their, their way. Yeah. yeah, you like their art. Go get a commissioned piece. What yeah. a wonderful gift that would make for the Dom of your dream. Dreams. No kidding, eh? Right? Wouldn't you love that? Oh, what a nice, yes. What a nice tribute mm-hmm. for someone to send a custom piece of art to you before a session. If, if nothing's going to put you in a good mood before a session... And you really want your sadist in a good mood in before a, good a session. In a good mood that day. Just, just, a, just a recommendation. <laughs> just a word to the wise. Um, okay, so... Why don't we go all the way back, because I feel like you were telling me before this kind of whole dominant dominatrix thing for you started. My origin story. Yeah, this started like real early for you. really, really young for me. I remember. Like this is your true essence. This is, this is, yeah, it's very much, uh, it's very much what I am, not what I do. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I remember having uh, daydreams as early as age three where I was uh, tying up bad guys and torturing them. Now, yeah, three years old. Uh, now, the way I was torturing them was I had them on a conveyor belt and they were being squirted by ketchup and mustard. So, like, my... So, the three-year-old brain. The, the three-year-old brain. However, the ba- the backbone of this, like, dominant narrative... definitely there. Yeah. And then um, I grew up in the Middle East and... I think that might have contributed because I reacted so strongly against the gender roles that were prescribed there. The, as a woman, you need to be subservient, you need to be quiet, you need to, your opinion doesn't matter, you smile and nod to the man, the man makes the decisions, the man is dominant, and I was just like, fuck this, and I think I went, like, way to the other extreme because apparently... I was like, all right, if I can't be, if I can't have the power that society subscribes to men, then I will go the other extreme and I'll be what they're scared shitless of, a dominatrix, right? That makes sense. Um, so, but yeah, but it, it did start really early. When I was seven or eight years old and other kids were playing tag, I was playing Torture Land. <laughs> so the premise was... Yes, please. Okay, how, torture so, how? I yeah, need to know. So yep. the premise was that the boys are hiking through the woods and they fall through a trap door, as one does oh, when no! hiking through the woods. <laughs> and they end up in this otherworldly kingdom where women rule seven years old, women rule and torture men, hence torture land. Um, And so we would tie them up and we would pelt them with stuffed animals. We would put ice down their pants. I convinced the entire neighborhood to play this game, just so we're clear. (laughs) This was not just me and one or two boys I'd hoodwinked. This was like the entire neighborhood. You had a cult following. I've always had a cult following. Um, And then like we would, you know, just... I, I don't even know what else we did. I think that was basically it. 
and teasing, taunting, but then sure. it became this thing like, oh, don't tell the parents, and this, when are we going to play again? When are we going to play again? And it wasn't the girls who wanted to keep playing; it was the boys. Wow! So I wonder how many of these back then seven to eight year olds who are now in their forties. I wonder how many of them have walked through the doors of the ritual chamber <laughs> right? or some other establishment of the sort. Right? Going, I really need someone to throw stuffed animals at me. Oh my god. You you began so many people's kinks. No doubt. <laughs> and then when I was 16 was when I finally realized that this was a thing. I was That people did. That, that you could That there do. was a name for There's it. There's a name. There was for a it, word yes. for what I was. And yeah. I was chatting with a really close friend of mine. One of those late night discussions you have when you're a teenager and you're like is the meaning of life? <laughs> Why is things there? Why yeah. do I want to beat men? <laughs> and I was talking about how, like, I would date guys, and within one or two dates, I would find a reason to break up with them. Mm-hmm. And it was always, like, the stupidest of reasons. Like, his left eye is slightly bigger than his right, or what have you. How very dare he. Yes. <laughs> and this friend of mine said, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's because you become a different person when you're with them. And I asked what he meant, because I was like, what do you mean? I'm the same person always. And he explained to me that despite my rebelling and saying that I was, you know, never going to be subservient to a man, etc., the the conditioning was such that whenever I would go on a date with a guy, I would smile and nod at his jokes. Mm. I would play stupid. I would become a simpering idiot because that's what I was told boys wanted. Yeah. Let them win at pool. You don't, you don't want to fracture that fragile male ego. ego. Yeah. And it wasn't that I didn't like them. It was that I hated who I was when I was with them. Wow. And then my friend said, you know, you just always struck me as someone who would look really good in leather. And something in my brain went click, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) So I collared my first sub that year when I was 16, and haven't looked back since. And that's been almost 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah. How did you kind of gain knowledge or resources oh, was, at that time? Yeah, like, yeah back what then were your when dinosaurs points? roamed the land. <laughs> and when the internet sounded like... <laughs> and you had to pay for it by the minute. Oh my god. So it was, it was rough. Yeah, um, what was, was your reference point even? I was very lucky in having a bunch of extremely open-minded supportive friends. And they helped me research. Wow. They took me to my first fetish parties... Wow. at the sanctuary and they took me to northbound and picked up and helped me buy books you know disguising it with like 12 other books <laughs> this copy of screw the screw the roses give me the thorns yes. and these 2000 other books around it as camouflage <laughs> so i read that i read diff- was it called different loving or kink or something yeah, like in, i think different the loving the big thick different yeah, loving yeah, big thick book loving, yeah. uh the anne rice beauty trilogy i remember buying those and devouring them And then I discovered um, CompuServe at the time had a forum for human sexuality. And it was not like no hot chat was like was allowed there. It was for actual serious discussion about um, adult topics. And they had a BDSM section in there. Wow. And it was incredible group. Thought provoking discussions, weekly 
like weekly co online conferences. And within a couple of years, I ended up being the mod of the group. Hmm. So, uh, so when I was in my early twenties, I was running online seminars, workshops, etc. Right. I'm beginning to see, yeah, your, yeah. your, how your career path kind yeah. of <laughs> all came together. I've, I've yes. always been very good at running things. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, so that's where I did a lot of my learning and discovery. And a lot of it was just fumbling around, like not having any idea, not having just trial and error, trial and, and error, experimentation, few mentors. Um, fascinatingly enough, uh, years and years later, uh, through FetLife, I actually found a couple of people from that initial group on CompuServe. Oh, wow. And one of them, uh, is a mod on FetLife because she apparently is still doing that and, uh, power to her because hey, I can't yeah. even imagine still doing that. There's only so many times you can answer the same questions. Yeah. Um, but she runs, I believe the group is called, um, what's it called? femdoms and the subs who love them or something okay yeah. that's the fdsa i i will have to get back to you on what it's called but her name is carolyn and she's amazing and she is a fountain of information and amazing. knowledge and she's actually uh, written a couple of essays for the patreon so it's been this whole full circle full circle coming love home so oh wow that's yeah. a, that's quite amazing mm -hmm. um and where did your, had you done professional domination at any point during this no. or just lifestyle? Dom? I am a lifestyle dom. Yep. I've, uh, I once had a guy, uh, offer me $10,000 to do a scene <sighs> with him. Um, so, and we had, we had played together before and I had sort of lost interest and he offered me $10,000 and I knew he was good for it. So I made him write me a check and then I, uh. Please tell me this is your only time you've done a professional scene. This is the only time I've done a professional scene. This is your scene. rate. This is my rate. I, uh, <laughs> oh my God. I, so then oh after God. three or four hours, and I don't even remember what I did to him because I don't tend to remember what happens in scenes. It's like oh, a blurry. It's like trying to remember a dream. Yeah. Uh, but after all of that, at the very end, he is broken on his knees on the floor, shaking, tears drying on his face. And I asked him if it was worth it. And he said every penny, and I ripped the check up, and I made him eat it. So that was my one and only foray into the pro world. I greatly admire people who can do pro work. I am just not one of those people. I feel that you have to, you yeah, have, to have certain skills that I do not. Why? Yeah, but I mean, for me, you seem like... Why, why do you not think you could do that work or you would want to ever do that work? I think that to be a professional dominatrix, you have to like serving. Okay. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but yeah. serving in the way a nurse serves or a therapist serves, uh, you have to be willing to take people's fantasies and their needs and their desires, and you are catering this experience for them yes. to fill those needs. Yes. Um, and there is a strong service element to that. Yes. And I do not do well with service unless I am being served. So uh, it's it's something that I just character-wise, temperament-wise, I would be a horrible nurse. I would be a horrible therapist. I would be the world's worst waiter. Uh, <laughs> You, okay. You, when you yeah. put it that way, I can picture it. I, just, I can picture why why you wouldn't want it's, it. It's it's just not something I think I could do well. Oh my god! I think I would be resentful, much like I would be as a waiter. So <laughs> you would 
be so bitter. I would be so bitter and resentful. It would be awful. It would be the worst thing. Oh, that is such a funny... So there are exceptions. Like we did the... Uh, the Ritual Chamber did the Spankathon a year ago. Yes, yeah. Um, at Kink T.O., where mm-hmm. we raised money for a charity. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I participated in that. So that, to me, doesn't feel like service. It feels like I'm part of a fundraising effort, and yeah. I'm spanking people, and that's fine. So... Yeah. I hope we do that again sometime in I the future. I believe there are plans in the works. I also feel like there might be plans in the works. Yeah, so yep. stay tuned and follow the mm-hmm. Ritual Chamber Twitter account. And how are you, for the folks at home, if you're not a pro-dom at the Ritual Chamber, how then are you affiliated with the Ritual Chamber? That is an excellent question. <laughs> so I am not a pro-dom, but what I am in my day job life is a business consultant. Mm-hmm. And part of what uh, one of my clients is Sherazad of the Ritual Chamber. Mm-hmm. So the Ritual Chamber is actually one of my clients. I know of her. Yeah. You've heard of her? Yeah. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. She's all right. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so our relationship actually started where I was looking for some dungeon rental time because I have kids and playing at home is not, not not usually an option and hotel rooms. I've got to say, I'm glad hotel rooms exist, but they strongly leave something to be desired because the last thing you want when you've left your kids at home to go play is to hear other people's kids running up and down the hallways because a hockey team is staying at the same hotel you are. (laughs) And then you realize, hey, if I can hear them, chances are they can hear me. And more importantly, they can hear this poor man I have screaming into a pillow. Yes, screaming for his dear life. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was very much desperately looking for a place that I could play. And I was like, all right, where, what can I find? And I stumbled across the Ritual Chambers website. And I said to myself, all right, this is, this looks good. Let's do it. And the first time I went there, I felt like, uh, it felt like coming home. It was, it's the most incredible place. And I still, it still like warms my heart every time I walk through the door. It's yeah. elegant. It's refined. The place, um, the floors aren't sticky. If you want female gaze, this place is female gaze. It's, it, it doesn't feel icky where I feel like a lot of BDSM places look icky. It's like, it's, um, it's classy. It's yeah, yeah, totally. And, um, so then what happened when you got in the space? Right. So I got in the space and headmistress Sherazad greeted me to show me around. And in those 10 minutes that I was chatting with her, I thought to myself, I need to be best friends with this person. <laughs> she was just so incredible and genuine and intelligent. And it all came through in that first 10 minutes. Like oh, yeah. it's, it does. In- it's yeah. in- incredible. Um, and I loved the space and I started following her on Twitter mm-hmm. and the next day she had posted a tweet saying she was looking for subs who had expertise in business planning in website design and a bunch of other things. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, I'm almost qualified. I'm just not a sub. So. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little bit. Um, not even on Fridays. Anyway, <laughs> so I, uh, I messaged her and I was like, hey, what exactly are you looking for? I might be able to help, but I'm still not a sub. And, uh, and she wrote back and said, uh, she needed someone to help her with her business strategy and how to grow the business and her processes and all that stuff. And I was like, that's what I do for a living. And, uh, and so we came up with an arrangement where she would, um, pay me in dungeon time. So 
which was very exciting to me because, as I mentioned, hotels were not cutting it. Yeah. Uh, so we came up with an agreement, and uh, so I do the marketing, sales, business planning, mm-hmm. and uh, get to use and, the dungeon. Sometimes. And I get to use the dungeon at my will. So oh. if you, you know, if you wanted to do that scene of yours with the military <laughs> and the women taking over. And we did get those volunteers we requested earlier. <laughs> then we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amazing. Um, so what we've done is uh, I kind of asked on Twitter um, if anybody had any questions or anything for us, and I've got a couple of questions from uh, Instagram as well, and um, I think we could jam on those in the second half if you're up for that, Lady Dream. That sounds so exciting. Let's Amazing. jam. Jam it out. So we're going to take just a little five-minute break uh, so our sponsors can have a little time with our listeners, and we'll be right back, and we'll chat about pro-doming, about femdom, about erotica, and about feminism. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Provocateur Images is the official boudoir photography studio of Bedpost. To receive 10% off your next studio session, use the coupon code BEDPOST. That's B-E-D-P-O-S-T. For more information and to see the gorgeous shots that are possible at this studio, check out provocateurimages.ca or follow them at provocateur underscore images on Instagram. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Pym, and I'm here with Lady Dream. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back, listener. And uh, we've got some questions for you, lady. Excellent. I love questions. <laughs> and this is from um, someone who you might want to tell me how you know this person. They're Shakespearean Sex Sonnets on Twitter. And they have... Uh, how do you know them? Because you, oh, you know them through I know your them writing. through the Patreon because oh. he's contributed some incredible 
uh, kinky sonnets to the cause. And actually, this month, for the first time, he's uh, he's actually contributing a story, which should be coming out in a week or so. And he's an incredible writer, and I'm really super excited. He also posts really, really delicious pictures of his bum. So you should follow him for that reason alone. Yeah. Little poetry, little bum. Yep. What more could you what want? What more could you want? <laughs> and he's got um, a three-parter question. So how about... Well, this first one we kind of touched on, but if you have any new thoughts, um, he asks, what impacted your decisions to be a pro versus a lifestyle dom? So you saying that you really are in no way suited to be... I'm in no way suited <laughs> to being a pro... Um... But Did if you, you have if you have ten thousand dollars and a worthy <laughs> charity, then I might be able to help you out. But otherwise, uh, at any point, did you um, think about becoming pro? People are constantly telling me I should be a pro and that I would do so well in it, and mm-hmm. it's because they don't know me. Um, <laughs> just uh, and I have people people confuse this a lot. So I'll say. I, I'm, I'll say I'm not a pro, and they'll go, no, 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 you have lots of experience. I'm like, no, no, pro doesn't mean you have experience. It means you get money. It means you it. get paid to do it. Uh, it's a very different thing. It's not It's not something I would want to do for a career. Um, I like my day job. I'm happy doing it, and I'm happy this just being something something that I am and something that I do that mm. uh, that I don't have to think about in terms of work. Yeah, yeah. Are there main differences between, like, pro-doming and lifestyle-doming that kind of make you think that lifestyle-doming looks a little so, more attractive to you? Well, for one thing, most, like, if if you're booking a session with a pro, chances are you're going to book a one-hour session. I can I can barely do a warm-up in an hour. Yeah, uh, that's my, tight. It's one really hour's tight. tight. I can't imagine, I can, I mean, for me, a two to three hour session is a quickie. It's like, I'm getting in and I'm getting out. I like, I like long drawn out play. Okay. So that's something that's not an option. Um, Yeah. If they book an hour, you got to do it in an hour and you'll be like, well, fuck this. I'm like, we barely ramped up and now we're ramping down. I don't understand. Um, (laughs) Does not compute. Does not compute. But there's also for me, money is a very, money is a strange thing for me. Um, I be, for me, I really, I, part of my fetish and part of my, what I view as my dominance is I really like to pay for things. Mm. And I know that's really strange and it's, and it's not very common in lifestyle doms or pro doms. I think a part of it comes from, like I said, like growing up with a certain expectation of what it means to be female and what it means to be male, where being male meant you had the power and it meant you had certain, certain expectations on you. Like the man pays for the date, the man opens the door, the man you know dis- is in orders, charge of the finances. The man orders for you. The man's in charge of the finances, and I, I really like being in charge of all those things. Mm-hmm. So I really love going out with a sub for the first time and seeing his expression when uh, when I put my hand on his lower back and guide him to his chair, mm-hmm. or when I uh, when I ask him what he wants and then I order for him to the waitress mm-hmm. uh, that makes them twitchy mm-hmm. but when I pay for the bill that makes them the twitchiest which mm-hmm. I find really interesting yeah. because if you think about it like so much of BDSM is taking our traditional roles and turning them on their heads so much of femdom is that like no I'm the one who wears the pants I'm the one with the I'm the one with the strap on I'm the one with the dick I'm the one on top but when it comes to money that's the one place where we haven't necessarily done that 
Mm. So if you look at, it's, I find this fascinating. If you look at male doms with female submissives, mm -hmm. generally the man pays because he's taking care of his submissive. Mm -hmm. When you look at female doms with male subs, the generally man still pays. the man still pays. Why is the man still paying? Well, he's showing respect, showing he's tributing. He's you know we, we concoct the story to match what we want to happen. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's not very common for female subs to give tribute to a male dom. Not at all. Right? Like, whereas doms, uh, pro-doms, like D-O-M-M-E, get mm -hmm. showered with gifts and with tribute, like, outside of even being paid very well for their sessions. Even, absolutely. Like, you know, bring them presents, bring them, you know, even with, tip them. Even with lifestyle doms, that's the expectation. Yes. If you go to a munch, uh, and I, I went to a munch a while back, and the topic was how to how to get a dom to like you, like how to win the dom of your dreams. And all of them were like, oh, well, if he doesn't pay for that first date, if he doesn't pay for all the upcoming dates, if he, why doesn't he show up with a $300 gift card? Yeah, tribute, these aren't, tribute, tribute. These yep. aren't even pros. They're not, you're not paying for a service. You're just paying for their, because they exist, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't That's claim, interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. It, it, it just has always made me very very twitchy. I like to play. I like to spoil. I like to take care of what's mine. And it's it's that possessiveness. It's that mm. uh, that control. I mean, yeah, I'm a dom, okay. right? Yeah, I'm getting it. Yes. <laughs> and oh I my think God. and when you get into the pro world where I think what would end up happening is people would show up for the first session and if I liked them, I would not only not take their money but probably like put some in their pocket. If it just doesn't make sense business-wise. No, no, it's not a good business model <laughs> at all. And I recognize that. As a business consultant, I recognize this is not a good business model. Uh, but if the opposite existed, if if male pro-subs that um, that worked with female clients were as a thing, if that was a thing that existed, I would very much use their services. Wow. Absolutely. I would, very interesting. I would happily pay a male sub to let me have my way with them and then to go away when I'm done. Yeah. Because that is hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hard part is making them go away. Making them go um. away is hard. Um, so, so, yeah. So, for me, for me, like... I think that's one of the main rate limiting steps to ever being a pro, other than the being horrible at service, um, <laughs> the time thing, the time thing, uh, the fact that I would be taking a massive pay cut. Yeah. Um, but it's also that I I really really like to be the one paying the money. I know wow. that sounds weird. It's very interesting. No, I love that. I love that answer. Okay, so this is uh, the second part of that question. Um, how do you see BDSM, specifically femdom, changing in the culture around you? It's an excellent question. Yeah. It has definitely changed a lot since I first started in the scene. Um, it's become more accessible. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, oh, horrible yeah. though that is. And let me, oh, remind me to tell you about using a safe word to try to get out of seeing that movie. Um, but... <laughs> Horrible though that is, it has opened up, um, just culturally speaking, oh, yeah. everybody's far more aware of it. Yeah. So there's a lot less explaining you need to do. It's, a, I feel like it's a, it's very much more accepted, um, as something people do to just kink up their love life, not perhaps as a lifestyle 24 seven dom, but, but at least people are, are more willing to accept it as a thing that exists. So I think in that way, it's great. I yeah. think, um, the invention of uh, vegan leather or pleather or whatever you want to call it 
um, has made everything a lot more accessible. Yeah. Because when I first started in the scene, you had to, uh, there were, I mean, if you wanted to go to a fetish party, you had to uh, dress up. And that meant going out and spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars. At Northbound, yeah. At Northbound, because that was the only option available. You couldn't buy things off the internet. You couldn't order them from China. You couldn't, uh, and there was no fake stuff that was that was affordable, that was available. Yeah. And I remember early on being so angry with these dress coats because I did not have a leather fetish. I had no desire to be decked out in and leather. Did, did you have the money to buy I, real leather even if you, you know, wanted to? Even if I'd wanted to, it was like hundreds and hundreds of dollars that yeah. I had to invest just to be able to explore my own sexuality. Which, just to go to this one party. Just to go to this one ended up being a really lame party. Yeah. But And I remember being at the door and arguing with the poor doorman, who really <laughs> was, did not, did not really, did, so did not have this kind. I would but, pay to be the fly but on I the was, wall. And I was like, like, wearing leather is going to make me more dominant? Are you questioning the fact that I'm dominant? Oh my and God. his response was, well, the dress code is the dress code, but if you want to strip down to your panties and bra, that works too. Does it sound like that's Does what... That, so, because that was okay with the dress code. So either I had to invest... Hundreds and hundreds of dollars to look like what they decided, what the male gaze decided that a femdom looked like. Thank you. Yes. Or I had to strip down to next to nothing and, again, be some sort of sex object yeah. image. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't go to the party that night, in case anyone was wondering. <laughs> um, but I did go out and buy leathers because there was no choice. So I, So things have become a lot more accessible. Knowledge is more accessible. Uh, yes. Life, love it or hate it, has like all all the events that are on there. Yeah, that's the main thing. It, yeah, Life as great it is as it is for whatever, it's great for events. Finding local events, absolutely. And whereas before, if you didn't know someone who was hosting parties, how were you supposed you, to find you out? You couldn't go. Yeah, um, especially when you were sixteen and were sneaking into clubs. Yes. Yep. Uh, so things are more accessible uh, in terms of price, in terms of knowledge source, in terms of material being available. Do you think uh, the culture is a little more lenient now, or at least they're hosting events and parties that aren't quite so strict as far as like dress code and being vetted? And I think there is so much more available. It's out a little there more loosey goosey. You know what I mean? It's easier to find. It's easier to find your niche or your your people. Um, I think that's great. I think online communities are great that yeah. you can explore without necessarily having to take the plunge and go somewhere in person where you don't know anyone um, mm -hmm. and you don't know what's going to happen when you get there and you've got all these like crazy <laughs> imaginations. I, I had a friend tell me that the only way you could get into one of those clubs was to walk over hot coals, literally, and I believed her because <laughs> why wouldn't I? Yes, of course. Who knows? Who knows what kind of crazy <laughs> shenanigans happen there? But, uh, yeah, but I think there's so much more opportunity. Um, and to plug the ritual chamber again, yep. in, in terms of, like, a place to go to learn and to get to know people, the ritual chamber has an incredible lineup of workshops and oh, events. Yeah. And if you go to their website at theritualchamber.ca, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you can see all their events, sign up for the newsletter, and mm -hmm. once a month they'll email you everything that's coming up. And it's a great way to uh, put your toe in the water. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, we've got the um, Around the World of Kink coming up, which Absolutely. is a really fantastic event. That's this Sunday, so I don't know when you're actually... Yeah, right. I'm, it might be coming out on the day, so okay. you'd have to... <laughs> 
get your ticket pretty quickly and they're yeah. probably gone but that event happens every like seasonally it happens yeah, it every... happens twice a year usually there you go. yeah and uh it's a great event because it, it's sort of like an appetizer platter of kink where you can go in and for ten dollars you can get like a mini session so ten you know, like ten so minutes, ten minutes yeah. of trampling or ten minutes of nipple torture or ten minutes of spanking or ten minutes of foot worship or what have you and it gives you a chance to try something and see if you like it before you invest in the full dish yeah Another one I'm looking forward to is old school discipline. That one's going to be really interesting. Yeah, because I, I got to reserve my spot early. I think there ain't no discipline like old school discipline, right? Right? Yeah. So, s- s- mouth soaping and caning and I'm all so, that fun stuff. I'm so there. I'm so interested. <laughs> I can see you being so there. I'm so there. <laughs> uh, and then the tea we have coming up. The um, we yes, have high a high tea. We have a high protocol tea where uh, a femdom tea. Well, I think now it's a dominance tea. Okay. Where the dominance, uh, you can wear a fancy hat and. You can dress kinky or you can dress in a spring summer dress, whatever you'd like. And um, and the subs serve the tea. And there's a, there's a training that happens beforehand on how to serve protocol tea. And they do a fantastic job every time. It's an incredible event. Oh, I can I I will try to also get in on that. You definitely want to be in on that. I want to <laughs> see, I, I want to see you with a with a with a fancy with a hat fancy, with a fancy veil on. <laughs> um, okay, we're still. I love these questions. They've really spurred a lot of conversation. There's still a third part to this question. Oh wow, the question that keeps on giving. <laughs> it is. It says, um, has has it opened up your eyes? I guess has femdom opened up your eyes to larger realizations about human nature that you'd want to explore in other ways? for example studies etc you know it's it's funny because femdom has been my existence for so long for all of my adult life for a large percentage of my life that i don't actually have anything to compare it to so (laughs) it's my your normal i've never done vanilla i've never dated vanilla i i literally if you say has it opened my eyes i I was born with my eyes open. Yeah, were my eyes ever closed? Yes, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> lucky I, you. I do think femdom makes you more aware of power and power imbalances in the world because we are so so cognizant of that, right? It's all about a, a power exchange. So you need to know what the power is so that you can take exchange it. Exchange it. Yes, <laughs> or take it as you will. Um, so I think it makes you a lot more aware of things that people don't necessarily don't necessarily call out it's just a thing that is it's the default setting okay yeah Um, yeah that would drive me crazy if you really open up your eyes and focus on all the little ways daily yeah oh (laughs) that could drive you absolutely and that's okay you just take all that and you just bring it to the dungeon bring it to the session baby yeah Use it. I have a sub I play with regularly, and uh, that's what he's for. I take all that (laughs) vent-up rage at uh, toxic masculinity, and he answers for it. So it works. It works for us. It makes me less ragey to the rest of the world. (laughs) Unfortunately for him. So thank you to him. But thank you. For taking one for the team. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay, we have a couple questions from a friend of the podcast, Martha, about femdom. Hi, Martha. Hey, Martha. What up? And uh, the first one is, do you find femdom empowering? I think we know the answer to that. And why? 
I find femdom incredibly empowering because growing up, as I said, in a somewhat repressed culture, um, I was always told that I was too much to tone it down, to smile, to, to smother who I was. And femdom is the opposite. It's let loose of who you are. Take that power, be who you are. Um, it's incredibly empowering. It's empowering to be told that you have permission to be yourself that you don't have to play a part, that you don't have to hide behind some sort of mask. Um, it's exhausting to pretend day in, day out. And I think, not just for femdoms, I think for subs as well, there are so many submissives out there who are in relationships or in situations where they can't let anyone know that they're submissive and they're playing a part constantly. Mm-hmm. I think it's exhausting. And I think whenever you're putting down, putting down a role and you're just letting yourself be who you are, that's going to be empowering. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you're saying this. I'm kind of putting together a new article for the blog right now about the stereotypical dom mm-hmm. and how that doesn't necessarily include all of us or serve all of us. And I'm talking kind of about finding your authentic dom persona. Absolutely. Right? So I love how you're saying you don't have to play a part because the stereotype is that there is this part that you play, Mm -hmm. that you're severe, that you're clad in latex, huge boobs. You never laugh. Never laugh. Never laugh. (laughs) And, and, you know, and that tells you, you know, what type of people can be femdoms and what type of domination you offer. And it's so limiting. So, so limiting. It's incredibly limiting. And here's the thing. If you are dominant, if you are a dom, and you are, and you feel that you have, in order to be a dom, you have to, you have to follow the rules someone else has made up of what it means to be a dom, then you don't actually know the meaning of the word. Yeah, that, that is, yes, that, that defeats the whole purpose. So when I was 16, and that friend of mine said that I'd look really good in leather, and that little piece of the jigsaw clicked in my brain. I went through two days of feeling so empowered and so on top of the world because I knew who I was. I would walk through crowds and they would part before me because they were like, here, here is a woman who knows her true self. And then I realized that what it means to be dumb that's an umbrella term. And there are two million things that fall under it. Yes. You can, what kind of dom you are? What kind of things you're into? What kind of things you're not? Are you nurturing? Are you strict? Are you... What all combina- of, all all of, of the above. Yeah. And suddenly I didn't know who I was as much anymore. And crowds, people were just getting in my way. No one would, <laughs> no one would move. So it's... I think these stereotypes, these like, this is the kind of person, this is who I am. I'm the ice bitch or I'm... I'm the relentless dominant and I'm the disciplinarian and that's all I am. Mm-hmm. I think you're doing not just yourself a disservice, yes. but you're doing everyone who observes and interacts with you a disservice yeah. because there is so much more to you than that. Yeah, including the subs. Including like, the subs. The, the best sessions will be when you're bringing your authentic self to the table. Absolutely. And you are present in the moment and embracing all the things that are you. And Absolutely which is a gentle reminder that anybody can call themselves a dom. Anybody can call themselves a pro-dom. 
do your research, get references. That too. Make sure that, that the too. person you're playing with actually knows what they're doing, because I worry about you all. I really, really do. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really important, because I think a lot of people... A, a lot of people who decide to go pro and thinking that it's easy money, which it's really not, but it's a lot of work. It's a all. lot of work, but also, uh, dressing up in your, uh, in your cheap, accessible pleather outfit and brandishing a whip does not make you a dominant. It doesn't make you safe to play with it. And usually if you are encountering people who are a stereotype, who just have that one look, it's because they think that's what being a dom is, it's probably because they're not actually one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is very interesting because my story with finding how I could be a professional dominant is all tied up in all this. It's like for so long, I was like, am I dommy enough though? It's like, yes, you <laughs> I think are. you're dommy enough. <laughs> yes, I am. But all of just all of that culturing, um, for so very long telling mm -hmm. me that, you know, I can't be fun and silly in a session, you know, and of course I most definitely can. Okay. I've had some fu fucking great pro sessions Fuck yes. where we're giggling and laughing the entire time. So, you know, I think the realization for me came quite late, unfortunately, but I'm happy I'm here now that I can most certainly bring my authentic self to the table and the best, only the best types of play will come out of that when I do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, girl. Welcome to the club. <laughs> exactly. Stick around. We've got cookies. Yeah. <laughs> One last question before we, uh, we get out of here. Um, this is another one from Martha. Hey, girl. Um, how does femdom transgress gender roles for you? We've talked about this I a bit. I think we've talked about but... it a fair bit, like in terms of, definitely in terms of money, in terms of... Yeah. So... Do you have any new thoughts on that that you wanted to add? Well, I, I, very I do think... I've always said that if I was a... If I was a man, people would say that I was old-fashioned and had, like, 1950s values and just wanted an old-fashioned life. But because I'm a woman and I want the exact same things that an old-fashioned 1950s man would want, um, I'm a dominatrix. So that's gender wow, roles for you. Wow, that's gender roles That is for gender you. roles where I always said that I wanted uh, my husband to stay home and take care of the kids and clean up the house and have dinner on the table when I got home. And, um, and, you know, if he acted up, you know, then maybe a little discipline would be required. <laughs> and, you know, I'd take care of the finances and I'd make sure he was provided for 1950s husband. Yeah. Right? But all of that basically apparently means I'm a dominatrix. Wow. And I have to live clad in leather, wearing stilettos and a corset, because as everybody knows, that's what dominatrixes wear 24-7. And that's the only place that that those ideals can exist obviously is like in a dungeon right which is absolutely insane isn't that ridiculous wow wow that <laughs> now it framing just, it that way wow it just so happens that i really like the dungeon that but too. <laughs> yeah. you know but maybe like if we'd lived in an upside down world where uh where women could be all those things without a dungeon maybe i would never have Found felt it. a need yeah, yeah. right who knows oh. Oh, God. Wow. That's very, very interesting perspective. 
All right, so we should be wrapping up again. Oh, already? Already. Time I know. Flies. I, we could talk. I feel like we could talk for a lot longer. Definitely talk a lot longer. I would love for you to again tell us uh, where the Patreon is and if you want to tell your Twitter handle. Right. Stu- and, I should, and I should even, tell that. Even a ritual so, chamber info, too, if okay. you like. Okay, I will do all of those things. Great. So my Twitter handle, if you'd like to follow me, is at um, OMG Adam, as in, oh my God, Adam. <laughs> Oh my god, and, a dom. And that's Dom D O M M E. And uh and you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash dreams made flesh. And if you would like to find out more about the ritual chamber, uh it's a great place to rent. Um mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. want to get away from hotel rooms and it's <laughs> got great workshops and events and the best pro doms in the city, if we right. do say so ourselves. Right, right. And that is at uh the ritualchamber.ca. Lovely. And as for myself and Bedpost, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, my Patreon is at patreon.com slash thebedpostshow. Uh, now, <laughs> since my Instagram was deleted a little while ago, I'm now at the Bedpost Show on Instagram. Facebook is Bedpost Erotica. My, uh, that's something we didn't even talk about. Bedpost, for me, started out as an erotica-based show where people just read their erotica that oh, they incredible. wrote that's where it started well for maybe me. if you'd like to have me back i can read you some of the stories i would love that some of the stories from the patreon because some oh of them are hot as fuck i would absolutely love to do that um if you guys want to email me i'm at the bedpost show at gmail.com uh if you're in toronto and want to check out my bedpost state show that's at the third friday of every month at 8 p.m at the social capital theater uh, if you are listening to the podcast, and obviously you have been, you will be hearing original music by Stephanie Copeland. You can find out more about her and her work at stephcopelandmusic.com. One huge thank you to everyone who's listening. We'll see you next week. And an even huger thank you to you, Lady Dreams. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. This has been so much fun. It really, Yay! It really has been. Oh my God. <laughs> so thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time with more great, fun, sexy guests here in the studio. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.